Hey there, I'm Edwina Kennedy, registered pediatric dietitian and mom of two, and this is the My Little Eater podcast. Each week, I'll be dishing out all the best info on feeding and nutrition for your baby and toddler, answering all of your what do I do when scenarios, and helping you gain complete confidence in not only feeding your child, but in parenting as well. Every episode is filled with actionable and proven feeding strategies delivered by a mama and a feeding expert who's been there and done that. I hold your hand and take you step by step through all stages of feeding while showing you how to implement what I teach you so that you can raise a happy and healthy little eater of your own. Let's do this. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to another episode of the My Little Eater podcast. It is already first week of March. I cannot believe how fast 2021 is going by. It's almost a year now that we'll be, you know, living this COVID life. And I can't, like, honestly, when I think of it, I feel like it was the longest year ever. And I also feel like it was the shortest year ever. It's the weirdest thing. I don't know if you feel the same way. But coming up on a year, I remember it was March I think it was like the second weekend of March maybe where we did a complete full lockdown and then the rest was history. So um, crazy. You guys survived. I'm so proud of us all. I feel like it was a really, really tough year that we've never gone through before and we're here. We are still alive, obviously, but we're also, you know what? I want to say we are thriving. I mean, it's not like things are easy. It's not like things are like they used to, but in all, you know, the crazy circumstances that we're in right now, the fact that you're even listening to this podcast and caring about what your child is eating, about wanting to do what's best for them still, not that, you know, we don't always want to do what's best for them, but you know what I mean? Like we're really still focused on this. I think you're doing amazing. And that alone says a lot about you. So Congratulations. Just give yourself a pat on the back. I also want to quickly say that we have a new baby-led feeding online course. So we recently launched a revamp of the course. And we did it because there was so much more that I wanted to add, but also explain things in better ways. And I took all the questions that I've gotten from you all over the past couple years, and I've incorporated them in there so that it's better flow easy to visualize things. I have so many videos showing you what it's like as I talk about, you know, a tip or a lesson with babies right there. And I have so many better resources. And I also really walk you through how to take that transition from purees to finger foods in detail using my texture timeline. And it's so good. And right now, I just want to say that only until March 24th, so for another three weeks or so, we do have a free 30-day meal plan that's included with the course purchase, okay? This is a limited time offer. After that, it's not going to be available with the course anymore. And the meal plan actually takes you through not just you know, doesn't just give you meal ideas. It gives you, so like for two meals a day, it gives you ideas. So there's over 70 recipes, but also it walks you through the introduction of highly allergenic foods in a strategic manner. So you don't have to think about like, oh, but I haven't introduced eggs yet. So I can't, you know, give my baby a recipe with eggs, but I need to introduce milk and I can't find a recipe with no eggs and blah, blah, blah. All of that um, work trying to fit the puzzle pieces together. That's just on the highly allergenic food side. There's a lot of work, but then also I make sure every Every single meal is balanced in terms of having a high iron food, um, having a produce at every meal, having a high fat source, having a meal that's high in DHA twice per week, which is per the recommendations. I talk about that in my course. 
And I also do it in a gradual manner so that your baby can ease into textures, ease into easier meals, and then slowly but surely move on to more advanced textures as the meal plan goes on. So you really don't have to think about anything it's all done for you. It's hours and hours and hours of thought process of work that I've taken away and I've just given to you. So I know you're gonna love it. So remember, only available until March 24th for that meal plan. Okay, let's dive into today's topic. So today we're talking about clarifying the readiness signs for starting solids. So you may have heard or seen my freebie guide or a blog post. I, you know, I've talked about this many times, even online on Instagram, all the signs that indicate that a baby's ready to start solids. And I'm going to go through them with you in just a second here. But I know that I get a lot of questions that are like, well, I mean, can you clarify that point? And I don't really know what you mean by that. And I heard this exception here and this exception there. So we're going to really dive into those readiness signs and clarify what I mean by them and give you the reasoning behind why they're even there in the first place that it makes sense to you. And then you'll be able to decipher on your own whether or not those exceptions are going to be actually valid or not. So let's go through first the readiness signs for starting solids. And I just want to say right off the bat, the signs are the exact same whether you're starting with purees or whether you're doing finger food, so baby led weaning style. It doesn't matter. It's not like if your baby's starting purees, you can start earlier. You don't have to wait for certain signs to show up like a lot of people think. That's not the case because as you'll see as we go through, the signs actually indicate that your baby is developmentally ready for safety purposes and for you know having their digestive system ready and for them to actually be able to eat successfully and to progress. Remember, we do not want babies stuck on purees. We don't want them on purees for months and months. Okay, so let's just kind of go into the very first sign that you're gonna look for. This one is the easiest one to notice. Okay, does your baby have good head and neck control? So is their neck still kind of flopping around? Uh, you know, do you need to hold it up for them? Is it tilted to the side? That kind of thing. A lot of times, and this definitely was a situation not even 10 years ago, 15 years ago, babies were being introduced to solids at three months. Still now, we have so much recommendation to introduce babies to solids at four months of age. And this often comes from doctors still who just maybe aren't up to date with the newer guidelines, right? And the reasoning behind it. So we don't want our baby to ever be in that position where they're not having uh, good head and neck control, obviously for safety reasons. The other thing though is that we want them to have the ability to sit in an upright position independently. So this one is where we get a lot of confusion, a lot of questions around it. And I'm going to deep dive into this in just a little bit so that we can really understand what we mean by sitting in an upright position independently. But that is the other sign. The third sign is that you're going to want to wait until your baby has the ability to reach for objects and bring them to their mouth with precision, at least decent precision. So, you know, you offer your baby a large toy or something like that, and they're immediately putting that in their mouth. They're grabbing it. They're, you know, using their hands to direct it to their mouth area, at least, and they're mouthing on things a lot. That oral exploration is really important for your baby to be able to start on solids as well. That is how they start learning about different objects and eventually about foods and they use their tongue to map things out they use the sensations in their mouth to determine how hard they have to chew and what they have to do to move that food around and so that's a really important sign that we want the other sign is that obviously they have to show interest in food so 
I mean, this one is often taken in isolation. So we often hear about, you know, parents or doctors who say, well, you know, your baby's interested in food uh, or my baby watches me when I eat. They're ready to start. And you know what? They're telling me I'm following their lead kind of thing. But this is never to be taken in isolation. Babies will start showing interest around four months of age, but that's just a primer. That's a pre-step, right? That's one of the many signs, but doesn't mean it's safe to start yet. So it's a good sign. We want to see it, but it doesn't mean, like I said, we will go off of that sign alone. The next sign that you want to look for is that your baby has a diminished tongue thrust reflex. So again, I'm going to deep dive into this one a little bit more because people are like, huh, what do you mean diminished? And what exactly is this tongue thrust reflex? So we will talk about that in a second. And then finally, the ability to close their lips around a spoon, hold food in their mouth, at least partially and swallow. So let's just start with the very first thing that I know everyone wants clarification on is how long should a baby be sitting up independently for? And what do you mean by sitting up independently? Okay, so first of all, I want to say there is no minimum time that they need to sit up independently. So I know I've seen this online sometimes that there's a 60 second rule or a two minute or a three minute rule, things like that. But that is not based on any research and it doesn't mean anything per se. What we really want is we just want them to be able to sit long enough independently in an upright position so that they can safely eat their meal without toppling or leaning over. So we need to go back to the reasoning behind this rule. So for example, one reason is that it shows that your baby has the ability to chew because that usually comes hand in hand with their ability to sit upright independently. So when they have that core strength developed enough for them to be able to sit up independently and to stay there for some time, then they also have that ability to start to move their jaw, their lips and their tongue in specific ways and eventually even allowing them to move them independently of one another, which we know is so important for chewing. That's how babies learn and and chew. So we see that those skills come hand in hand. The other reason for wanting them to uh, reach this milestone is that babies who can hold themselves upright independently are able to eat in a safer manner. Of course, they're able to swallow and they're able to breathe with an open airway when they're upright versus when they're slouched to the side or when they're leaning forward really, or when they're leaning backwards. So sometimes we might see babies sitting in a reclining high chair and you think, well, they're sitting up enough, you know, they're reclined to touch, but at least it holds them up. They're not toppling to the side, so I'm gonna feed. So we don't wanna do that because again, that airway isn't actually as open as it needs to be. If food does go down into the airway, it's not going to drop with ease. It's going to hang out there for longer. It's not gonna be you know, a clear path. So we don't want our baby to be leaning back, leaning forward while they're trying to actually swallow. And we also don't want babies like, for example, sitting in a bumbo chair or any other assistive seating because again, their, their pelvis is usually tilted and either too forward or too back instead of it being at a 90 degree angle with their hips. So that is an indication that there's some constriction happening there. Plus, if it's required, then we know that your baby can't sit independently and they're generally not ready to start solids. 
Finally, the last reason we want to see the sign is because babies need that core support and the ability to sit up so they can lean forward intentionally and just hold it there for a little bit while they reach for food or reach for a spoon or, you know, pick it up with pick up the food with their hands and explore the food. We never really want eating to be a passive experience where the baby can't really move and have that range of motion and they're just kind of sitting there frozen and we're just kind of putting the spoon in their mouth. So we want them to be actively engaging, leaning forward. Forward, grabbing things, touching things. That is an important part to eating and to preventing pickiness and to learning all of the skills that are associated with eating. So those are really the main reasons. So if your baby can show that they can sit upright independently, hold themselves there without constantly toppling over, then again, those are good indicators that meals are going to be safe and that they've developed enough core strength to have all those other skills emerge as well. So FYI, sitting up independently doesn't mean tripod sitting. So, you know, when your baby's legs are open and then they lean on their front, like on their hands to support themselves, that wouldn't be sitting independently. We want them to be able to actually sit upright without the use of their hands at all or, you know, having your hand on their back to to help them. But I will also say that if your baby, you know, is tiring out throughout the meal, so they're not actually able to last the whole meal, they are kind of tilting over a little bit as they get tired, it is okay to support them a little bit by rolling up a towel and placing it on either side of their hips to just, again, give them that support when it's needed. There's no need to wait until they can stay upright with no support at all for like a 15-minute period or a 40-minute period or however long mealtime is but as long as they can show that ability that they can do it and if they need a little support that's okay then that's what we want to look for also just want to clarify because I've also seen this online they don't need to be able to get into a sitting position themselves independently so you can help them by propping them upright and then let your hand go and then you can see that they're actually sitting independently and then you're saying okay that's good they've achieved that skill Okay, now let's move on to the other one that I feel like always needs clarification, and that is the tongue thrust reflex should be diminished. And so a lot of people are like, well, how diminished should it be? First of all, let's just discuss what the tongue thrust reflex is. So anytime when your baby is like, you know, four months of age, even three months of age, um, they're going to have this reflex where you put something to the front of their lips, to the front of their mouth, and they're going to immediately push their tongue out. It is not the same as spitting something out deliberately. It's a reflex. So it's there quite literally to protect them from having any food in their mouth. This is also still seen at five months of age and even sometimes up to six months of age, you see it there, but it starts to fade away. It doesn't become as strong at that point. And especially if you've given your baby a lot of opportunity to mouth different objects, put their hands in their mouth, that kind of thing, it's going to help kind of desensitize that reflex a bit. But the idea here is that we just don't want our baby's food to come right back out of their mouth every time we put it in. And then, you know, also we're kind of wrestling with their tongue to try and get food in past that reflex. If you see that that's an automatic thing your baby's doing, their tongue shoots out of their, you know, the front of their lips while, you know, you're trying to put something in their mouth, then that's an indication to to pause, end mealtime, and just leave it for maybe another few days and try again, or maybe even a week or so and try again. So don't fight that reflex. Again, it's there for a reason, and it's a good indicator that they're not ready for a solid. So they really should be able to open their mouth wide and accept the spoon or accept the food and be able to wrap their lips around it as well. So 
That doesn't mean they're not going to spit food out. But again, that's a deliberate action versus a reflex. So it's going to be something more intentional that they do. Sometimes they'll spit food out because they don't know what to do with it. Sometimes they'll spit food out because they don't like it. But again, it's an intentional act versus an automatic bloop reflex tongue goes out and you know it's constantly there so we really that's kind of what we want to look for when we say tongue thrust reflex should be diminished okay I also want to clarify some people's questions around reaching for objects and you know being able to bring them to their mouth with precision again it doesn't have to be perfect but they know what they're doing right they're picking it up and they're really trying to aim it at their mouth that's what we mean by precision but also a lot of people ask like well what if they reach for objects but they don't reach for food you know they're showing signs of readiness and I have food on the high chair tray or on the plate but they don't want to reach for it they have no idea you know what to do and that's exactly it is they don't really know what to do so I don't think that that is an indicator that you cannot start solids with your baby some babies aren't going to show an interest in actual self-feeding right away so again maybe they don't know what to do maybe they would prefer you to do it for them in the beginning and that's okay there's nothing wrong with that as long as you don't get stuck there and as long as you're constantly encouraging them to be independent in eating pick up a spoon pick up food offer those finger foods you know, at every meal or at least at 50% of the meals or whatever it is so that you're giving them that opportunity to be more independent. But it's okay if they're not doing it immediately on their own instinctively, right? So you may see, yes, that they just do it for objects, but they're not doing it for finger foods right away. That's totally fine. You can still start, you know, offering them food in the meantime. The other thing that I want to say, so, you know, we see that all these signs typically emerge around six months of age is generally what we always see and what we always say. And if you also look at the World Health Organization recommendations, plus a bunch of other regulatory body recommendations, they all say exclusive breastfeeding up until six months of age. So again, give or take maybe a few weeks before, a few weeks after, that's okay. But that's the average time. But the thing is, is you will hear and this is valid to an extent, that there is possible indication for starting solids earlier than six months if your baby's at high risk for allergies, for food allergies. So here's the thing with this. It's a little bit tricky, and I feel like it gets oversimplified. Again, even by doctors, it gets oversimplified. But here's the evidence behind it. We know that babies who are introduced to allergenic foods early on and often have a reduced risk of developing an allergy later in life. We have seen the studies. It is something that I'll probably just do another podcast episode on, but just know that fact. Now, there are some babies who are at high risk. So for example, if you have family members, immediate family members, you, a sibling, let's say, or you as a parent um, have an allergy to a food, then your baby's considered high risk. Also, you know, if they have eczema, they're considered high risk. There's certain factors that puts them in this category. Then we have seen with specific allergens, especially like peanuts, and I think it's dairy, I think, that we want to introduce it earlier on, even possibly before six months of age, to really get that exposure in and get their immune system, you know, reacting and building up their tolerance to that allergenic food. That being said, what this translates to in, you know, as a general recommendation is you can start solids earlier than six months of age if your baby has, you know, a high risk for developing an allergy. I don't really believe that's true. I think that we should be really careful about that because, again, a baby who's not ready to start is not ready to start. You may want to introduce that allergenic food to them. You may want to get that those proteins in their body, and that's fine. There are ways that you can do that 
either by offering them powdered forms of those allergenic foods. You can get different products that have, you know, powdered forms of uh, dairy or egg or nut or whatever it is that you can mix into a bottle or you can mix it into a baby cereal. But I would never really go past thin purees, especially if you're at four months of age and you're offering food to your baby. You don't really want to mess with that, especially if they're not sitting upright and chewing, you know, have the ability to chew well and all that stuff. You don't want to go there. And the other thing is if you wanted, if you really somehow got the clear that you wanted to introduce your baby to solid foods like whole foods earlier than six months of age, then I don't recommend offering all solids. So even actually, you know what, even with the purees, I don't recommend offering all solids in general. I recommend just minimal amounts of whatever you need to get the minimum amount of exposure in for that allergenic food. You don't have to, I mean, we don't want breast milk or formula being displaced first off with solid foods at this point. Again, remembering we want them to be exclusively breastfeeding or formula feeding up until six months of age. And we also don't want babies to just generally be put in a place of potential danger if, you know, we're doing it for all types of foods just because now, well, we introduce one, we might as well introduce a bunch. I say do what you need to do for the purpose of allergen exposure only. That's definitely my advice. Okay, now I want to answer another question. These are other questions and myths that go around that say, well, you know, there's other reasons for why I might need to start my baby on solids. And again, maybe you've even heard this from a health professional. So sometimes people think, well, if my baby's growth is slowing down or if they're losing weight, then I should be introducing solids. Even my doctor recommended I introduce solids. Here's the thing. Babies in the very beginning are not getting enough calories in through solid foods. They're probably taking like a lick or a little bite or something like that, you know, maybe a tablespoon's worth of something, but they're not getting enough in that it's making a difference. And if it does make a difference, let's say you're at it for a week and they start taking more, what happens is that a baby can still only hold so much in their belly, right? In their tummy. So if you are replacing milk, which is very nutrient dense and has a great perfect balance of all the nutrients and fat and protein, carbs, all that stuff, you know, naturally in that milk and you're displacing it with, let's say, infant cereal, which is only carbohydrates, it's losing the protein, you're losing all that other stuff, then you're basically just displacing those calories because, again, your baby can't hold in their belly more than can fit there, right? So it's not like you're adding more calories. If anything, if you were to calculate how many calories they're getting, they may even be getting less because the milk is more nutrient dense per you know milliliter than uh, a tablespoon of let's say pureed squash or something like that. So it really depends, but I wouldn't say that that's going to make a difference, and I definitely wouldn't use that as the reason for you know introducing solids early. If your baby's actually losing weight, there are formulas that are high calorie formulas that are actually going to be way more efficient to help your baby grow. Again, ounce per ounce or milliliter per milliliter, you're going to get way more calories and nutrients in that way than you are by offering them, you know, a tablespoon or so of a pureed anything. Okay. The other thing is that sometimes people will say, well, you know what? My baby's been waking up at night and they never used to do that before. And I'm very sure it's because they're hungry. They guzzle down their milk, but milk obviously isn't filling them anymore. They need something more. So here's the thing with that. Babies, first of all, either they're sleep trained or they're not, or they have learned on their own the skill of sleeping, which can happen right around six months of age to sleep through the night. So if your baby was there 
and then all of a sudden they start waking up, know that sleep regressions are a thing. And also know that, again, they eat to the point of fullness. So they are very, very in tune with their hunger and fullness cues. They know how to regulate their meals. As long as you're offering you know, consistent and frequent feedings throughout the day and you're letting your baby fill up at those feedings, you know, there's no snacking happening where it's a little bit here, a little bit there. Even with breastfeeding, that happens a lot. You know, it's like a two-minute breastfeed. It's a five-minute breastfeed. It's not like the full thing. Then that can actually lead to decreased calories over the day. When you're snacking, it feels like they're eating a lot, but they're just snacking little bits, but they're never actually getting full amounts of milk every single time. So that's something to look for. But again, also know that regressions can happen. And remember that the amount of food that is going, you know, that your baby's getting in the beginning is either not making a difference calorie-wise, or if it is, all it is is basically displacing the amount of milk that they're getting. Or, you know what, if they're eating more, then I would really highly encourage you to look at, is there any overfeeding happening? Because again, a baby's belly is a baby's belly. Their appetite is their appetite, and they're not naturally going to overeat unless we kind of, you know, push that spoon in and we encourage them to finish a whole jar when maybe they were already done at like a quarter of it, right? So things like that I want to encourage you to look at. Now, the next thing I hear is, well, my baby has reflux, so solids are definitely going to help keep them from spitting up. So here again, I want to say actually that there is a little bit of truth to this because typically heavier, starchier foods are going to help kind of settle that food or that milk in your baby's uh, stomach. But that still doesn't mean that that's a reason to start solids. What I would look at is why is reflux happening so much? Either it's just happening a normal amount of times per day. It's maybe more than some babies, but it's still considered medically normal and medically okay. Then it just is what it is. And I still think you wait until they're actually developmentally ready to start solids to start solids. Or they may have something going on where they have a really sensitive esophagus. And again, what the solution is usually with that is that your doctor can either put them on medicine or they can offer them a thickened formula. So there are pre-formulated formulas out there, infant formulas, that have accounted for, yes, they put in more starch in there to keep it settled in your baby's tummy, but they're not just adding the starch in and then diluting the other nutrients that are in that formula. They're actually increasing the protein, increasing the fat, and balancing it all out. So overall, ounce per ounce, mil per mil, your baby's still getting the amount of nutrients that they need. So a lot of times parents will do this on their own. They'll maybe put some infant cereal or some rice in their baby's bottle and then, you know, try and get that starch component going so that your baby won't have so much reflux. But remember, all you're doing is adding in extra carbs and starch and you're forgetting that you're now messing with the balance, the nutrient balance of that formula or of that breast milk. So you don't want to do that. It's always better to get something pre-formulated if there's an actual medical condition. And if it's not a medical condition, then you can and should definitely wait until six months of age. So overall, don't rush it. And research actually shows that solids, when they're introduced too early, can cause digestive upset and even an increased risk of obesity. So it's not something that, you know, you just want to start because, oh, well, you know, I feel like it. Um, And if your doctor, let's say, does say, you know, you could start earlier than five and a half or six months of age, I would encourage you to ask them, you know, 
you know, what, why do you say this? What's the reasoning? And maybe even what evidence is there to support this? I think that's really important because it's not that, you know, they're trying to hurt your baby or, you know, anything like that. God, no. But they don't always, not all of them anyway, have the ability to keep up to date with every little change that happens in the nutrition world, in the feeding world, in the pediatric world, especially if they're not pediatricians themselves. It is really hard to do. So, you know, God love them, but they're very, they're very good for the bigger medical issues. But when it comes to nitty gritty things, it's always better, especially obviously nutrition, it's always better to go to a pediatric dietitian like myself or somebody else that will know that world really well so that they can actually keep up with every single change that's happening. So overall, go off of what your baby can do. Look at their skills versus going off of what age they are. And know that your baby will tell you all of those signs. They will show you all this, those signs when they are ready for it. So again, no need to rush it. I really hope this episode helps you. I also just want to say that if you want to download a list of all of the readiness signs for starting solids, I have a checklist in sort of a guide form as well on my website. So go to mylittleeater.com and you can download that list completely free, get it to your inbox, and then you will be able to have a little explanation for each one and you will remember it and be able to check each sign off as you see it happen for your baby. Okay, thank you so much for tuning in and I will talk to you guys next week. Bye.